Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I'm so excited about a new episode of our podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Jenny Netherland. She's currently the superintendent of Granger Independent School District in Granger, Texas, also joined by her daughter, Trinity. So this is a special treat for you to hear both from Jenny and her daughter, their love for Jesus, their love for others, serving others. I can't wait for you to hear from them. So without further delay, let's jump right into it. Well, thanks for joining me, Jenny and Trinity. Hello. Hi. <laughs> so I'm going to start this off with some background information, just so people, listeners that aren't familiar with you, um, kind of hear a little bit about your background. So tell us, you know, a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, a little bit about your family growing up, and then your family today. Well, I I grew up in Midland, Texas, at home of the Friday Night Lights. Uh, out in West Texas, and I grew up with a great big family and a lot of a lot of athletes in the family. Um, and so, one of the you know Friday Night Lights, it's it's definitely there's a lot of athletics, and that's a very powerful thing out in Midland. So, I, I, anytime I get the opportunity to speak on it, I love to. Um, my my family is uh, a huge part of me. My brother is also an athletic director. He is out in Somerville. Um, I am. I was a coach before uh, going into administration. My I'm just my, our family is a big part of it. My my cousin's a principal down in Katy. We we are just an educator family and coach and and just do all of those good things and um, just as far as our you know, growing up in the family background, you know, there's in Midland, you have the haves and the have nots and, Mm. and we were definitely the have nots. (laughs) And so that kind of shaped a lot of um, my upbringing as a kid. And this is my family. This is my girl, Trinity. So how old are you, Trinity? I'm 10. 10. What grade are you in? Fourth. And you're playing what sports? What sports sports? do you play? Oh, I play softball, basketball, and I used to play tennis as a hobby sport. Yeah. Awesome. And we did gymnastics for a while. Just whatever season it is, is what we will be. We will play volleyball, I'm sure, no doubt. If her Aunt Mish has any uh, deciding factors in it, we will definitely play some volleyball. That's awesome. (laughs) So, Jenny, you know, you talked about your faith and how big it is. Um, Talk about from a faith perspective, you know, was it a you grew up in a family of faith and then kind of walk us through your journey of deciding that you need that personal relationship with Jesus? Well, I will say that, you know, I have a family of believers, but whether those were practical or through application that I can't say that it was. And so my brother and I actually had never gone to church with each other until we had kids. And so crazy enough, right? But my aunt, who is a huge influential person in my life, she, uh, her mother was the first person that took me to church when I was a kid. And we actually went to this church that was called Calvary Assembly of God. And they spoke in tongues and they did all those things. And as a kid, I was kind of like, whoa, um, just definitely different. And, but she was such like an amazing woman. And so Mm -hmm. I just had that trust that that wasn't, if that's, if that was um, her idea of spirituality, I was, I was just, I was curious. And, and so she took us to church a lot 
I had a group of girlfriends uh, growing up when we would, we moved around a lot, but I did have the same group of girlfriends when I was a kid. And we did a Bible study every Monday after school. And that laid a foundation. And I was Trinity's age when that was going on through fourth through sixth grade. And that laid a large foundation on my heart and on my mind and, and understanding. You know, my walk, I've went through some crazy times in my life. And I will say, um, you know, I definitely have perseverance and, and grit to go through some of the stuff that I have. But to say that my walk was just completely straight and narrow was not the case at all. And, and I got to the point where at 19, I, I got saved and I was baptized. And I, I'm very lucky that I had the foundation of people in my life. You know, my mom married uh, my stepdad and he was such a good man and he was a deacon in the church and he got us more involved in the church. And, and so those were things that I was very fortunate to get those experiences. But you still, when you're finding your own way, it's never easy. Mm. <laughs> and so when you're going through tough stuff in life and, and you didn't have that foundation of religion of going, this is where you go to in the Bible when something goes wrong, or this is this is how you um, learn how to manage money. If you didn't have all of those foundational things, you just don't even know. And mm. so we, I have made a point, and I, I talk a lot about our purpose for living is to do good work and and to be like Jesus. And so we every single day just try to see how we can be good people and. My faith has done this up and down. Um, but the one thing that I do know is when I lean into God and we'll talk more about, I know you um, will ask about my, my scripture, but in John 15, it, it definitely hits hard on leaning into him. And so I, I just, when I, things go wrong, I lean into him and, and that helps me in my faith and, and faith drives my decisions. It, it mm. is wholeheartedly everything that I do um, in, in my decision-making. So Trinity is actually going to, has made the decision to get saved. And awesome. that, so, so she made the decision, she's saved, and now she's going to be baptized. That is awesome. When? Um, early May. Early May. That's so awesome. Yeah. It's the best and, thing you'll ever do. We're going to go oh. back to Lano and she is going to get baptized in the Lano river by my former assistant principal. Wow. That is, that's wow. That's awesome. And I think, you know, what, one, I guess the one thing that stood out to me, you said, cause I think most people, if we're honest with ourselves, everybody in their, <laughs> their walk is up and down. I don't know if, you know, everybody's willing to admit that, but you know, just having that foundation is key. Um, and I think you see it more, at least I've seen that more when you become a parent, mm -hmm. the importance of the foundation, because you want your kids to, you know, you know, even your kids are going to experience those up and downs, but that foundation is so, so important. And not always easy to to keep that perspective, but because um, it's easy to beat yourself up when you kind of, when you're wavering like that, but that's good. I like that. And we'll talk a little bit more faith in a minute. I want to kind of shift to some sports as well. So you're in administration now, but you have quite the sports background. So um, tell us about your college days. You you were a softball player, right? I was, yeah. And you played where? Uh, at Midland College. Okay. And 
you know, and I, I grew up in the, the travel teams of softball mm-hmm. and we, we did, um, we did a lot of traveling with our softball team and that was in the early stages. Like, I mean, this will show you how old I am, but you know, softball was just becoming a UIL sport at that particular point. And so there were, you know, it was travel essentially was all that there was because there wasn't high school. And so then high school softball came to be, and we started, um, we started rolling and going and my, uh, you know, the group of girlfriends that I was at the same Bible study with some of them, we were all on the same select team and we were traveling around and, and we got to do some really cool things. And my head coach in high school was, is actually, I had two phenomenal head coaches in high school, but, uh, Ricky Woodard, she's the head coach at Texas state university. Uh, for softball and Rich Ligman, who was the head coach at Oklahoma State for a long time. And he's up in Kansas now. But those are, uh, you know, two two great people. And, and they were able to help me move forward in my pursuit of continuing to play. The recruiting world is so much different now than it was then. I mean, they're recruiting kids as eighth and ninth and 10th graders um, as far as their perspective. And, and Understandably, they sh- females in softball showcase that talent early on. That's that you know that's not a surprise to me, having been a coach. But I would definitely say that the you know just getting to play it, it's such an awesome experience. And my niece played college at the University of Incarnate Word, and she uh, is an incredible athlete in her own right. And and they've she lived it and it was such a passion of hers and I I won't admit it but to her but she was way better than I ever was right and so uh it's such a good example for Trinity to see um you know what a hard worker Shelby is and was and and but the one thing about that is that that's a certain select time of your life and and like it's so funny that now if people know me unless they know that I love sports they're not going to be like, Hey, that's an athlete, like, or that person. And it's really like, it hits it hard. I'm not going to lie. Cause you're going to like, man, that was such a, a, that was my identity. And I know that, you know, my niece has struggled with that as well, because that has been her identity for so long. And so for any advice, you know, we talked about, you know, advice for kids and it's just, you know, be able to know what, whether it, I don't know if you can know, but be able to think about what could be next and, mm-hmm. and beyond the sports and, and try to like infiltrate that a little bit into your daily world so that you are not just completely lost when you are done playing at the collegiate level or the professional level, because it happens at all levels or even the high school level. Um, I, I know that there's, it's a lot easier and I always tell kids who quit or who are seeking to quit and thinking about it. I'm like, there's a lot of difference between having to give it up and then choosing to give it up. Mm. And then the regret that you will feel with that, it, it hits a lot harder and it will affect you your entire life because you will miss it because it's been part of your identity. And so that that's something that I always kind of have a conversation about, but I feel like college sports definitely helps. And I hope that Trinity at some point um, makes that leap. And if she doesn't, that's okay too. So, um, she can appreciate it and enjoy it. Right. Yeah. That's, that's good though. I like what you said, because it is, it doesn't seem like it, but it's the, the sports part is just so temporary 
you know, part of your life. I mean, even if you go on to play college, it's still, if you look at life after college, it's just, a, it's just a little bit of time and you know, trying to figure out looking beyond it's difficult. I mean, we were all 16, 17, right? And yeah. that's, that's uh-huh. not what I was thinking at yes. 16 and 17. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's very recent. Um, and so you spent some time in coaching. Um, so talk about, you know, at what point did you feel like that, that calling to be a coach and then kind of give us a glimpse of your coaching journey. Okay, so I am way more successful on the administrative side than I was on the coaching side. Like, I'm just going to throw that out there. But um, I, I always wanted to coach. That was not um, – that was one time – I just love softball. I love softball so much. And so, I mean, it just breathed life into me, like, all the time. So I, I, I'm genuinely at my happiest when I'm on the field. So – but – uh, being, so being around it, like that's your job. I get to do that all the time. Like, okay, let's go. So Trinity, you know, she, she doesn't really, she doesn't know me as a coach. Cause that's when I made that transition, but I started out, you know, I had such amazing coaches that I, I got to be a head coach pretty quickly. And so that was something coach Woodard was just such an influential woman on my life. And, and she is so amazing and just inspired me. And I, I wanted to make a difference in kids' lives like she did in mine. And so uh, who are those like average players that, you know, they, they might not ever be the best on the team or the person that is just going to um, dominate in every facet of the game. That I was the kid that was the leader on the team, but also was like an average player and, and could do some great things. But I needed somebody to believe in me to do those things. And she did. And so, you know, those are just things that you kind of go, okay, I can take somebody who's just got this like average ability and have them have like this amazing experience. And, and those are, that's why, I mean, why I got into coaching, I would say as a coach, I was a far much more better motivator and, um, you know, just ha- giving, instilling that belief in kids and, and kind of pushing them to be more than they thought that they could be. And I did that a lot better than um, the actual coaching part, but I would say that I, I enjoyed it. And then when I had trend uh, and I'm a competitor, so I always try to like breathe winning into people because <laughs> that's, that's such a, a powerful thing uh, to, you know, want that and believe in it and push for it. And, and I never settle for less than success. So what was it? I mean, you talked about, you know, when Trinity came, came into your life, that it's kind of when you went toward the admin side to kind of talk about that decision process of, you know, okay, I'm done coaching. I'm going to transition to the admin world. Well, you know, it's hard. And, and I just applaud all the female coaches that are moms and they are just, you know, they have these gym rat kids that are just amazing. And, and so it's not much different for Trinity because she's gone to, she, you know, the sports writer in Lano art, he would always talk about how he's like, every time I see your daughter, she has a ball in her hand because we're always at sporting events and we're always at everything. And, and so um, it's, it, you know, you kind of have to make a decision on like what, what is going to be your focus. And she, she kind of focused me up. And when I, I, you know, when I made that transition, it was really hard, especially that first year out where I didn't, you know, you have a spring break and you're not, you know, going to games and, and being a part of that. And, and so you just, we kind of 
we got to go watch and be spectators for a little bit. And that was not easy. I will not lie, but you just, you make adjustments and then every time I can, and you know, on the administrative side, like our coaches in Atlanta would sometimes be like, Hey, you want to come give a speech? I'm like, I'm all in, let's go. I'm ready. You know, like when do you need me? I'm right there. Cause I want to, can I talk at halftime coach green? Can, can I get that? Be a part of it. <laughs> so any chance that I would get, like I would, yeah. Jimmy's like, yes, yes. Um, that's, that's just who I am to want to, you know, instill that passion and love and motivation to kids. And that has not changed. It just has transitioned into the, okay. Um, we're not just talking about sports. We're talking about life and we're talking about, uh, your academics and we're talking about like what your plans are and in every facet and not that coaches can't do that because so many coaches now they do so much of that, the character building, Mm -hmm. they they do the college recruiting aspect and they work with GPAs. And so literally coaches do it all. I mean, it's amazing. And I, I just, I think the world of them. Yeah. So obviously your faith is a big part of your career. I mean, what is that? Let me ask it this way. Um, Being a person of faith in the public education world, what role does your faith play? And then have you had any resistance to it? Yes and no. So, okay, I'll I'll give you a couple of key examples of how it plays in my my faith. And so um, just from decisions that I've made. Mm -hmm. So, and we were in Midland when she was young and we had um, the boom, the boom happened. I was living in an apartment. The boom happened. Rent went from, and this is right when I had just finished my master's to get a, an, an administrative position. Uh, I was looking for an AP spot. The boom happened. Rent went from like $1,000 to $2,000. Wow. Well, teachers can't afford $2,000, right? So what I did in my, you know, so basically the that leap. And so I had to make the decision. Okay. I'm going to give up this apartment. We had no idea where we were going, what we were doing. I put everything in. I said, God handle it. Because if you want me to be an assistant principal, or if you want something to happen, I need to be able to afford to live. And if you want Mm -hmm. us here, this is where I need you. I I need you now. And so all faith, all in roll, let's go. And, and so it was one of those things that, um, he, he just provided. And, and two weeks later, I got a call from Midland Lee for an assistant principal position. And Dr. Stephanie wow. Howard hired me. And then we found an apartment that was within our price range. Everything's great. Then I take, you know, those little seeds of faith that kind of compound. And shortly before I became a superintendent, a lot of people were talking to me about, you know, whether I was de- debating hard on whether I was going to get my doctorate or not. And so I said, God, I need you to guide me. And if I'm meant to, and there's a book called Just Do Something. But basically it talks about if you're fulfilling God's purpose for your life, just make the decision one way or the other. And so I said, you know what? I prepared the path. I have my superintendent certification. God, if you want me to be a superintendent, I do not want to go get my doctorate. I don't want to do it. But if you want me to be a superintendent, I have my certification, make it happen for me. And Guess what? Within a month, I was a superintendent and had different people calling me and opportunities. And, and so those things, like I, I try to live that and I try to talk that and I try to show my daughter that. And, and it's not easy each and every day just trying to say this is I, I don't try to push my faith. And, and 
I read a lot of Bob Goff and, and mm-hmm. it's just talking about how you live your faith. I don't, I don't do the, you know, Hey, do this, do that, do that. Um, I'm more of the, how can I help you? How can I be of service to you? We go to the love, uh, love of Christ food pantry. We help out there. We do everything that we can to be of service to our fellow humans. And that to me is our ministry. And I'm not, I'm not going to side skirt it. I'm not, I'm going to tell you my faith, but I'm going to show you my faith and I'm going to tell you my faith. I'm not going to like drag you to my faith. I just am going to go be there for you. And and I think that that speaks volumes in regards to making people aware of their relationship with God. Does that make sense? I agree with that. Yeah, I agree. Cause I think a lot of people, not a lot, I don't, I don't know the right, I don't know if a lot is the right word, but you know, it's all about, you know, the Bible thumping of people. Right. Mm-hmm. But we need, I think it needs, we need more just loving people along the journey. Yeah. Um, Cause people don't care. You know what I tell them about my faith. If I'm not, if I'm being arrogant and condescending, but if I'm serving them and loving them, and then they ask why I'm doing it, and I and it opens the door to talk about my faith. Yeah. I think that's more powerful. I think that's what you're hitting on there. Is you know, it's how we and I love Bob Golf because it's all about how we treat people. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think it's pretty simple. I mean, I think Jesus even said it. You know, love God and love others. I think if we do that, sounds simple, but it's pretty complex at times to to love others, but. I think that's what we need more of. It is. And we've had, and Trinity, talk a little bit, like as a kid, like when you've had people um, that weren't very nice to you, what do you say? Um, Usually I would just either leave the conversation, but if it was at lunch, I would just annoy them. (laughs) But what did we talk about? So what did you, there was a boy that was, that was being very bothersome. And what did you do? You bought him what for Valentine's? A lip sucker. Yeah, you bought him, like she bought him a, because our whole conversation is to, is to love them what? We love them anyway, right? Yeah. Like just love them. And, and as hard as they are being, when they're, when they're coming at us and they're attacking us, we just love them and pray for them. Love them anyway. That's awesome. I think, you know, that's, you know, we learn a lot from kids, but I think if more adults took that same, <laughs> same attitude of, you know, someone's being a jerk, I'm going to love them more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we could, we could make a huge dent. So Trinity, let me ask you this. Um, your mom told me that, uh, you're a big encourager to her and her faith and you're kind of her accountability. So what does that look like? Uh, well, it's not just me holding her accountable. She also holds me accountable because sometimes we both forget. Yeah, I, it's so, you know, Trinity is, she's a light in this world and they're, if we go to a restaurant and I'm like, oh, there is not, you know, a buffet or something and there's not enough food. And she'd be like, well, at least the restaurant got a lot of good business. Mm. And so she is a, a perpetual optimist. And so those are things that she just reminds me of. And, you know, if I have doubts, she'll say, you know, in my career and our profession, if there's something that comes up, then I'm like, I mean, I'm just stressed and I don't know. And she'll just tell me, what do you tell me sometimes? It'll be okay. okay. She's like, God, God, you prayed for this and God, God guided you there. God put you there for a reason. And Mm. she, she most definitely is, is my go-to on that stuff. So. That's awesome. Hey, Trini, let me ask you this. Is it hard being the daughter of Jenny 
you know, everywhere you go and, you know, she's well known in the, in the education world. Is it, is there any pressure? I would say there is pressure um, <laughs> because when I, when you first get there, um, a lot of people just, a lot of people, when they see how, when they see how good your mom is, or like how perfect she is. Oh gosh. <laughs> and then they kind of, and then they expect that from me. Mm. So. Well, let me flip that. I, I'm going to tell you that if you go to Lano Elementary or places where, yeah, they, I'm, I'm Trinity's mom. <laughs> like, so that's, that's one of those that, you know, we went to the Lano semifinal football game to support our, our loved ones and uh, this past year. And we're on the field and <laughs> Trinity comes down from the stands and people knew we were going to be there. And Trinity comes down the stands and she's holding all these bags as right before Christmas. And I was like, what is, what is all that stuff? And she's like, everybody brought me my Christmas presents. Oh, <laughs> wow. like, what? So I always tell places like they're absolutely getting if the places that get us, they, they get the best one with her because she's alive in this world and um, a, just a phenomenal human. And, and one of these in 20 years, they will be like, that is, oh yeah, you're Trinity Netherlands mom. Oh, that's great. Yeah. She's, that's she's so by awesome. far. Yeah. But what a legacy already Trinity at 10 that you're leaving. <laughs> this is somebody that, I mean, but no, I think that speaks to, you know, you don't take the pressure from being Jenny's daughter that you establish your own identity as somebody that's just going to love people. I think that's awesome. Yeah. That's good. I would say what I loved most about Lana is because nobody really, when I first got there, um, I felt nobody knew what a principal was because it was in kindergarten. No one knew what a principal was. So, so, my friends didn't like me because I was her daughter. They liked me because for myself. That is so awesome. Because I'm sure there are kids that want to be your friend when mom is a principal or now superintendent that I want to be the superintendent kid's friend. But she loves Granger and she's had, she's really, really enjoyed getting to know the kids because they are very friendly and That's it's awesome. been a wonderful adjustment for us. So we're very thankful. We've been praying for that. It's been a blessing. That's awesome. So Jenny, how do you balance the demands of your career with life outside of that? Well, I will say this, that, that I don't know. And, and John Gordon has spoken on this a couple of times, and this mm-hmm. is an ongoing question, but I just don't really, I, I believe that there is no, there's not such a thing as balance. Like there's just really not. And, and I'm, this is my job and this is my passion. And so I, I cannot separate the two. They're just simply not. I have been to Hawaii and seen somebody that we knew in the education world. Mm-hmm. And I have been down to, I mean, it does not you matter. We still worked. Yes, yes. But those are things that there's just no separation. Now, the, the best part about that is that I, I get to fulfill my purpose in life. And so my the Jenny and the profession all get to be the same person. And so there's not like, there's not this big difference in, in who I am at work and who I am outside of work um, at this point in my life. And so I, we just try to live it. And, and those are things that there is not much of a balance because you're always going to be, if you're there for people, if your job, now there's things that can be like, you have to have the mindset of like, this can be done tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. 
But if your, your purpose is people and taking care of people, and if they're stressed about something and you know that they're stressed, then you pick up the phone and you have the conversation because you know they're stressed and it's about helping people. It's not about work that needs to be done or reports that need to be filed. If you keep the focus on people, then the balance is you, it's unnecessary because you can, you can fulfill your purpose and that's, that's our why. And that's why I'm in education. So if I'm helping somebody, I'm going to help them all the time and it doesn't matter. I like that. Purpose is people. That's good. I mean, that, that fits with really no matter what profession we're in, because at some point you're going to touch people. Even if you don't physically interact with them, whatever you're doing eventually does affect people. So that's good. So a lot of our listeners are coaches. So for someone who's been a coach is now a superintendent, what's the top advice you'd offer a coach that's listening? Well, I would say that um, consistency and doing what you do well is very important. Um, sticking to what you do well and, and trying to grow those weaknesses um, and, and trying to figure out how you can be as much as you can be for kids and for what you do. If you don't know why you're doing something, I would say that there are some coaches that they don't necessarily know why they're in coaching and they, it's because they like sports. Well, that's not a good enough reason to be in coaching anymore. There's just mm. too much to it. And so, um, cause we talked earlier about it, but I think coaches are the best leaders cause you're leading people. And so hone your leadership skills. There's, um, there's a book by Napoleon Hill called think and grow rich. And it is, you know, it talks about the qualities of a leader and those are, you know, figure out what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are, and then rely on your fellow coaches and, and, and be a part of that. And then if you want to do, if you see yourself doing more um, in the admin side one day, reach out to people that you know that do that really well. And, and make sure that you're seeing what they're doing. Get a, get, it's, it's like um, you have all these, we have these roots and these branches and, and that's where the coaching world branches out. And so the more you grow yourself, the more you grow kids and the more you grow people around you. And then it's just this root system that is just flowing through you. And, and I would say that some of my coaching friends are the best friends of my life. And, you know, we, we still keep a very strong connection and, and those are going to be, those are my people. And I would say that just keep those relationships and, and just continue to strive and lean in on them. And, you know, those are, those are the kind of the folks that have helped me and sustained me my, my whole career. And so I would just say, keep pushing. I like that, that it's greater than just because you like sports, right? Because it is, it's you're, you're leading people and there's a lot of, life lessons being taught so it is bigger than football or basketball or baseball or softball whatever that's good so one of my favorite questions um is and you alluded to it earlier um you know do you have a life verse or is there a scripture that you know god has used in your life recently that you'd share well i always love it in proverbs when it says cling to wisdom um yeah. i that's one of my lifelong and and she will protect you um but I, right now, I'm just wholeheartedly in John 15. And I'm actually reading the Bible in its entirety right now for the first time. And I'm a largely, and I started with the New Testament, 
and I'm, you know, I'm willing to act. And, and so we've been, we've been reading and diving in and just trying to absorb myself into the scripture. And so, but John 15, like through all this process of changing and transition just spoke so heavily to me because of, it talks about you ask for it and, and you get it, but you got to be in it. Like you got to be connected to him. Like you have to make sure that you're taking care of it. Um, it says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you remain in me and I am him, then you will bear much fruit. And, and those are the things that like, when you stay close to God, those things are going to come and you're going to, you can ask and, and you shall receive. And then on the flip side, it, it goes in and talks about like, Hey, Jesus was pro- uh, like persecuted and he was, he's the best dude that ever lived. Right. And so if you're doing good work, like if you're doing good things, like bad things, they're going to come after you and people are going to, it's going to be an attack and, and to assume anything and to feel like that shouldn't happen to you is, is crazy talk because it happened to Jesus. And so he is just trying to say, like, you just got to stay with me because bad things are going to happen. And there's going to be things. And when you're in a leadership role and a coaching role and you have a losing season or you're in a ministry role and people are very upset and polarized by right now, like COVID and all of these other protocols and things that they either agree with or disagree with. Those things are going to happen. Disagreements will happen. You just have to remain in him. And so to assume anything else is is. Um, naivete. And so I would just say that like John 15 is where I'm all in. I'm soaked up in it. And I'm really, really uh, excited to just talk about that part because I feel like if we remained in him, we're going to be all right. I love John 15 as well. Um, I, I think I read it. I don't know how many times over the last year, just with the whole, just the COVID world of just staying connected to him and not worrying about all the stuff that's out there. Right. And that's, mm-hmm. yeah. So I love it. That's probably my favorite um, scripture as well, at least in the last year or two, you yeah. can camp out there a while. Yes. So last question, two words, it's all over sports, all in. Um, I mean, we don't have to talk about it really what it means, but also Jesus is very clear. You know, if you read in, in the four gospels, which you've read them recently is, you know, to be a follower of Jesus requires to be all in. Um, you know, deny yourself. So just from a practical sense, you know, what does that look like for y'all like on a daily basis in your walk with Christ? So I would say that when we we talk about being all in, like I am the least, when she sits there and says, I'm perfect, I'm not good this. That's because I'm the least perfect human. And I have fallen short of God's grace more times than I should ever be worthy of his grace. And so, but when you know, when we talk about being all in, I think that that at this particular point, but you know, it's little things like if I, if she's leaving the shoes out and it makes me crazy that I have to say, I have to kind of keep that anger in check as a mom. If it's, you know, watching um, her, her softball practice. And, and I, I say, I really want to coach her up and kind of correct her. And she's like, mom, I need you to just watch. And, and if it's what we watch on TV and if it's spitting venom and bad things, we, we turn it off. And, and, and then if we are, you know, talking to, I will give you another example. Yesterday, I was very upset because my transmission had gone out and then my car um, was damaged by hail. And the, while it was at the transmission shop and those types of things. And so being all in is, is going, 
those things, I could go up and I could be so upset and I could be frustrated by it. But being all in means that I have to, I need to be like Jesus every interaction of every day. I'm going to fall short of that. We all are, but I'm going to try. And I have to be consciously thinking about like, okay, I am a very um, articulate woman in some regards. And and I could probably uh, get my way on a lot of things that like, if, you know, making sure that my car is taken care of. But my interaction with that sales clerk who's giving me that bad news, that matters too. I need that person to know that I'm a follower of Jesus as well. And, and so as frustrated as I am with them messing that up, I need them to know that. And so I, I just try to, in my daily walk, just, and I fall short, I'm not perfect, but we are consciously trying to move in that direction every day from what we hear, from what we say, from what we watch, from what we do and, and how we treat people. Those are the things that matter. And that's what it's like to be all in and being a sports person. Sometimes that doesn't bring out the best light in people. You know, sometimes that brings out the, the, the aggressive and the anger and, and all of those things. And that doesn't highlight our best features. But the reality is it's almost the best part of us because it's our drive and our inner desire. So if we could focus and find a way to move those two and work those two together, you know, what good would we do for God? I mean, what glory could we give him if we found a way to mesh those worlds? And and I just that's when it talks about sports and we talk about the compassion and aggression and anger and competitiveness like those, those things are from Jesus. Like those are some good qualities that we could like use. And I, I, every day, you know, no matter who you are and I, this might sound preachy and I'm so sorry. Um, but every day who you are, there, there's, there is that direct Jesus where Jesus is like, Hey, just go do this. And, and, and I have to be that way a lot, you know? And those are, those are things that sometimes I have to say, okay, we need to do this. And, and, just find find your voice. I like that. Be about Jesus in every interaction because I can identify with the transmission story. I, that <laughs> exact thing hasn't happened, but yeah, um, when things don't go our way, our first in a situation like that, our first initial thought is to not be kind. Mm-hmm. You know, but loving people in those difficult times is um, powerful. That's good. I like that. Very good. Be about Jesus in every interaction every day. I wrote that down. That's going. I'm going to write that somewhere where I see it every day now, just as a reminder. That's good. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> no, it's not easy. She is. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying. It's it's not always easy, but I'm trying. I mean, I I constantly, and that's where we talk about the accountability. I'm like, you have to let me know when I need to put it in check. Like, Mom, Jesus, Jesus. You know, that's good. I mean, that's good. And when you all figure it out, let us know. (laughs) (laughs) So that's good. Hey, I appreciate it. Go ahead. (laughs) Oh, you will. Yeah. Yeah. That's and thank you, Trinity, for for joining too. That's awesome. Yeah, she's excited. Yes. Well, thank you both. I know it um, took us a little bit to get it scheduled, but um, thank you for the flexibility and finding the right time to get it done yeah right like you said in his time thank you for listening to the all in sports outreach podcast we hope you've been encouraged we'd ask you if there's a family member or a friend that could use some encouragement that you would forward this to them 
Also, we'd ask you, if you're not a current subscriber to our podcast, that you would consider subscribing today. Whatever platform you're using right now to listen to this, we'd ask you just to click the subscribe button. There's many episodes prior to this one that will encourage you, and I'm excited about the stories to come. We love to hear from you. Visit our website at www.allinsportsoutreach.org or Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the search bar. Just type in All In Sports Outreach. Find out who we are, why we do what we do, opportunities to pray, to serve, and to give. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for your support and most of all for your continued prayers.